So as most of you know, often the Tuesday night is, uh, emerges out of what's happening in the room, <laughs> or what happened, what's happening in my mind, and clearly I spent much of the sitting period tonight uh, metabolizing and reacting to and metabolizing and working with the effect of the fellow who came up and placed flowers on the altar uh, in the middle of the sitting. And uh, there's a whole backstory about this person, uh, for those of you who may not know. Uh, and I, I don't want to say too much because I don't have absolute certainty, but uh, it's highly likely that that was the person who has been, had been stealing from us. And maybe some of you haven't been around when we announced that we, that we had uh, lost some of our Donna basket had been lifted completely a few weeks ago. And we've been taking measures to both keep an eye on things and lock the Donna box. And, and yet it's really caused a, perhaps for some of you and for, for me a, a, a different feeling of not quite as peaceful and safe feeling as I would normally feel. I've, I've in my uh, maybe naivety, I've, I've come to uh, just expect the, who shows up here to be, to be uh, non-harming, and I've, ju I've just really for 30 years felt relatively safe to sit up here. Tonight I did not feel safe. And yet I, I also know that when, I, when something triggers a, a reaction in my mind and my body, that uh, a little neon goes off in my mind and it says, I'm about to learn something. <laughs> that this is the edge of what, what is um, what I'm used to or normally have to deal with. And because the person brought up flowers, I thought that they, because I had shooed them away before the evening began and said, don't come back again. Uh, and I tried to do it in, in, uh, in a language that they could understand. Uh, and so I thought perhaps the person, and I, and I said, why, why, why are you doing that? You know, why do you keep showing up? And uh, so I thought maybe on one hand the person was making amends, but then I, as he sat behind me, I, I, I didn't know, I'm just sitting here. I'm, I've just invited everybody to dinner, and I don't know who's, who's at the meal. And I felt very vulnerable, and perhaps some of you did too, and so I, I apologize for whatever part I may have, and, and you may be not feeling as safe as you'd like to. But it's also grist for the mill for all of us. That we are all, uh, we are both, we both have the capacity for a great inner safety that, um, that uh, can sit in the middle of whatever situation we're in. Uh, and yet we also live in a, in a world situation where we are vulnerable. We are vulnerable to all the, the worldly winds of, of of praise and blame and gain and loss were, were vulnerable to so many conditions. And so at the heart of our practice is learning to touch into that, uh, that inner safety that allows us to deal with 
the inevitable moments where the outer conditions aren't necessarily either to our liking or they're in fact not, um, not safe. And, and to be able to learn to, um, to meet that situation without, with the least amount of reactivity so that we're not adding to the, the feeling of, of unease. So we, can all, we all know in the, in the political arena that so much of the divisiveness and hatred is driven by feeling vulnerable. We can look, we can reflect, if we look with a wide enough view, we see that, that everyone, even the people who are fomenting the most divisiveness, are in some way trying to find some kind of relief in their heart, some kind of safety. And they are trying to depend on outer conditions for that safety. And of course we want to create as safe and outer conditions as we can. But the Dharma teaches us to, to do everything we can to create inner and outer safety. But whether we are safe or not, outwardly is sometimes beyond our will and our wish. And so we have to have a strength of heart, a caring heart that allows us not to compound the pain and to develop that quality of equanimity, of balance that can sit in the middle of, respond as much as we can with, and courageously, but sit in the middle of it and not, and not have our heart shut down. Because you can see the divisiveness is because our heart shuts down, we become reactive, and, and I, I can imagine a little narrative going through your mind. I don't know, maybe this is my projection. Well, this place isn't as safe as it used to be. Anybody have that thought? You don't have to admit it. Uh, maybe I don't. I've, I know that people have stopped coming here because uh, we, had the, we had an encampment of people who, who are, because of the, the, the such, in, such um, insidious kind of institutional cultural bias and lack of equality, we have homeless people right in our midst. And sometimes that, the pain of that, of that level of equality, we don't want to feel. We don't want to deal with. And so there'll be this sense, will, our mind will start to go into a state of reaction, and then it'll spin and say, you know, I don't, I don't like that feeling. Maybe I should go somewhere else. And, you know, we can do that endlessly. And in some ways, that, I, I shouldn't assume anybody had that kind of reaction. But that's exactly how we end up with a more divided world. Is that we're, we put people, we put situations, we put feelings that we don't like out of our heart. And uh, unfortunately, that does not lead to more safety. And it does not lead to a unified uh, mind and body. So not only do we, I think I can, I'm, I'm using the word we, and maybe I'm making an assumption this is true for everyone, but I think maybe it is. But we, we as, as you've heard over and over in the political arena, we, we do so much better 
when we are together, when we include, when we bring all people in all situations, in all conditions, when we bring, when we create equal, to the extent that it's possible, create completely equal opportunity in re- to, for everyone and regard everyone as precious, all beings without exception, and put no one out of our circle of inclusion in that feeling of equality, where we develop that impartiality of heart that just takes everybody in. We, do, we all do better that way. Everybody's life is enhanced by, by coming together. And we can easily get caught in, yes, that view sounds more sensible than the view of dividing, and you know, that, that's kind of the, the narrative of, these, of this um, election season. But I think it's, it also points to that we do better internally when we are undivided. We do very poorly when we're divided within ourselves. If I have, if I have, well, let me back up a little bit. I feel when I come, when I'm here on Tuesday night, I feel like I want to welcome all of you. I feel a, a kind of welcoming feeling. And not only do I want to welcome all of you kind of in the general, I want to welcome all of, all parts of you. I want to welcome the things that are, that are great, wonderful, the things that are difficult. I want to welcome all differences among you. I, I think that's really the spirit of the Dharma, is that quality of inclusion. And I want to do that in the collective, but I also want to do it inwardly. I want to bring home everything that I have been unable, unwilling, or ashamed of, or not comfortable with, or that I feel unforgiving toward, or judgmental toward, blaming toward. I want to bring it all back into my heart. I want to unify. I had the good fortune of meeting with one of our Mission Dharma members today who has been experiencing the joy, the true joy of going into the local jail and teaching meditation to the women who are incarcerated there. And what she communicated to me, which I know she won't mind me telling, telling you, in fact, we even talked about me possibly including some of what we spoke about, but she talked about the incredible internal suffering that many of these women experience because they've gotten themselves in prison, or in jail, I should say. It's not prison, it's jail. They've gotten themselves in jail, and they did that through some kind of act that, some kind of act that caused themselves to be, caused them to be uh, incarcerated. And the tendency that they that they come in with, and I think we all have our own version of this, the tendency is to just berate themselves, to say, I'm such an idiot, I'm such an idiot, I really screwed up, I really screwed up, and to just over and over 
bring a kind of harsh, unforgiving, kind of tormenting mental attack to, to the conditions that they find themselves in. That is an example of dividing our consciousness. It is the opposite of, of inclusiveness, of forgiveness. It's taking a painful situation and piling on with extra, you know, you've heard the teaching of the two arrows. There's, first it's the, the pain of a situation, and then there's, there's a, that's the first arrow, and then the second arrow is everything we pile on in our reactions to it. And we tend to do that with, with the situations that are difficult. We tend to compound them with many extra arrows. So what's needed for these, for these, um, these women and all of us in general is to somehow move in the direction of regarding ourselves with kindness and mercy compassion, forgiveness, to widen our view, to see how, and this is where wisdom comes in, we widen our view to see that how, what were the causes and conditions, what, were, what was it that conspired, what were all the myriad conditions that led me to act in a way that, that caused me harm. You can think of whatever it is that causes you harm in your life. Whatever you've done that you feel ashamed of or that you're judgmental of, whatever quality you carry, it's likely if you look deeply enough, you will come face to face with the reality that, that whatever you did was made up of so many conditions that far long preceded whatever that act was many of which you, had, you could have done nothing about that are very much non-personal. And that pretty much includes almost all of our conditioning, almost everything about us. And if we look, look more deeply at the causes and conditions of our life, we can see that many of, most of the moments where we've caused harm have not exactly been moments where there was clear comprehension of what we were doing. There was some degree of being blinded by grasping or greed, blinded by some kind of aversion or ill will. And, and you know, the person who dropped the flowers also, you know, it, it wasn't. It may have been a gesture of of trying to open the heart, but he also left with you know somebody informed me that he was carrying a uh, a knife. And, you know, acted out a little bit as he left, kind of making a little bit of a scene. Somehow I'm back with that feeling before I can proceed. Clearly, in, if a person, if any one person, and anyone who is in the jail or any of you, were able to have enough self-awareness at that moment, clear comprehension of the context that you were in, the Im potential impact of your actions, it would likely mitigate what you do, what you say, and, and, and uh, 
Yeah, what you do and what you say. So clearly, all of us are made up of, of actions of body, of speech, of mind, and those actions have sometimes not been um, accompanied with mindful attention. And so in one way, if we look deeply enough, we can see we, not one of us could help doing what we did up to this point. How do you like that feeling when you think of that? You could not have done anything different in your life up to this point. It's just the way it is. But our mind, our attacking mind, our controlling, egoic, taking credit and taking blame kind of mind says, I woulda, I coulda, I shoulda. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. And we, it's a misperception, it's a narrow view. And it's, it's a view that's, that our view gets co-opted by the sense that it's all my fault. As my friend Wes says, if you look deeply enough, you will see you are not your fault. You are made up of all of these non-personal causes and conditions. What we're trying to redress here with our practice is to bring all of that conditioning to home, into our heart, and meet it with mercy and forgiveness, and then every day plant the seeds of mindfulness and clear comprehension and goodwill so that we become constitutionally incapable of causing ourselves or anyone else harm. That we actually change the world through changing our own heart. And each of us, to the extent that we can remember that and intend, incline in that way, can actually I know many people in this room have taken that intention to heart and have made it the hub around which they've lived their life. And I get the benefit of, of hearing about it and seeing it. And I'm sure many of you who've met many people in here who are, who are experienced practitioners, and I don't mean that as a kind of identity to be idealized, but people who've actually just practiced, people who've taken these these lives of ours and all the moments of our lives and infuse them with moments, more moments of attention. We sometimes joke, we call them NPMs, noticings per minute. The more noticings per minute, the happier you are. Because the more noticings per minute, the more the power of mindful attention grows. Then you actually see what you're doing in real time. You see what other people are doing in real time. You see with more openness, less obstruction, more clarity. When you see with less obstruction and clarity, you see everybody is just playing out their conditioning. And you can, you actually, so in seeing the world dancing the way it does according to conditions, according to all of these, these, just a wider view of how everything is affecting everything, you can't help but feel a little bit more um, acceptance, forgiveness, mercy. So my, again, just backing up, my, my practice is I've, been, I've watched way too many videos of the haters 
spewing, you know, it's really all through the internet now. The haters are just fomenting, literally (laughs) just blocking, just so much hatred. And it's, that's been my, and I'm not proud of this or anything, but that's been my, that's my compassion practice right now. That's my, that's my mercy practice. I don't, you know, we, you, as the Buddha said, hatred doesn't cease by hatred. By putting people out of our heart, it ceases by bringing them back in. How did they come to be that way? So, so, what, we, so what we do with the internal disowned parts of ourselves so that we don't act that that self-hatred out on everyone else, that vulnerability out on everyone else, we practice intentionally forgiveness. I'm here. Just imagine being in jail. I'm here. I'm here because I acted in ways that that were unwise. But I acted in those ways because I didn't really see clearly what I was doing and the impact, the impact of my actions. And to the best of my ability at this time, I forgive myself. And I say to myself, to the extent that I can, it's okay that I'm not perfect, that I don't have it all together. It's okay that I've made and I make mistakes. I'm human. I don't always have mindful attention and clear comprehension arising in every moment of my actions of body, speech, and mind. It's okay that I'm imperfect and that I make mistakes. It's okay that I'm learning. I'm blessed that I'm still learning. And... Again, I forgive myself to the best of my ability at this time. So for whatever you may be, a way that you may be compounding your own stress through a feeling of unforgiveness toward others or especially toward yourself, united, everything brought into our heart internally, uh, it actually is what makes us, it allows us to be in touch with that I'll call it divine spark, Buddha nature, that sense of, of what Trungpa Rinpoche called basic goodness, that just the basic okayness of being, that sense of, of I'm here and I'm meant to be here. How do I know that? I'm here. And I'm conscious and it's amazing. And even though I'm, I'm, I experience the fruits of all of my actions, My actions are my relations. I have to work with them. That's true. Even though that's true, that does not preclude that I can be, regardless of circumstances, that I can be um, at peace, that I can be whole. And how can I be at whole? I have to be awake. Because when I'm awake, I'm whole. Because when I'm awake, aware, I have stepped out of the idea of myself. 
I've stepped out of problem solving. You know, most of us would rather think, spend time solving the problems of the world and think we're solving the problems of the world than actually feel feel the immediate solution. Of course, you're here, so you know that that you know that it's that ace the the solution to the deepest issue that we have is solved by waking up. Because it's really, really hard. If I'm awake, it's really hard to add to the suffering of the world. And it really does, I truly believe, does do a little bit to reduce the suffering of the world when my heart is not in a state of contentiousness. When my heart is open, my mind is open. And... As I often say, when my mind is open, when your mind is open, when you're just here, you haven't necessarily, your life situation may not have changed. You may not, the world may be no more outwardly appearing peaceful, but you can be more at peace with the world. So bringing everything home to our hearts, to our minds, here in this moment, using all of our whatever shows up to just keep expanding our circle of inclusion and affection. So in that, that spirit, I think I'll end again with this beautiful home of inclusion. This is much more about the outer, but hopefully we, you can relate to it now as the inner and the outer. This is from the Reverend Zenju Earthlin Manuel. It's called May All Beings. May all beings be cared for and loved, be listened to, and understood and acknowledged despite different views. Be accepted for who they are in this moment. Be afforded patience. Be allowed to live without fear of having their lives taken away or their bodies violated. May all beings be well in its broadest sense, be fed, be clothed, be treated as if their life is precious. Be held in the eyes of each other as family. May all beings be appreciated. Feel welcomed anywhere on the planet. Be freed from acts of hatred and desperation, including war, poverty, slavery, and street crimes. Live on the planet housed and protected from harm. Be given what is needed to live fully without scarcity. Enjoy life living without fear of one another. 
be able to speak freely in a voice and mind of undeniable love. May all beings receive and share the gifts of life, be given time to rest, be still, and experience silence. May all beings be awake. And just like to add, may all beings be inwardly welcomed and unified. And may our practice be dedicated today and every day to the welfare and benefit of all, including ourselves. Thanks for your attention, and, and we'll just keep trying to, best we can, to create a sense of safety, and thanks for hanging in there, and thanks for your practice, thanks for your support, and hopefully we'll see you next week. Adios. Oh, please help put the chairs back in pile. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.